Welcome to another episode of Open Doors, Conversations with Heart of the Father. I'm your host, Jacqueline Harper. Open Doors is a conversation about inviting God's love, presence, and power into our hearts. We are friends and teammates from Heart of the Father Ministries who share in the mission of setting captive hearts free through Unbound Ministry. We're so glad you could join us. Hi, everyone. This is Matt Lozano. I'm here with my dad, Neil Lozano, and we're going to be talking today about healing and in particular, the relationship between healing and deliverance. And we have a special guest, someone we're thrilled to have, Dr. Bob Schutz. Dr. Bob is the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Be Healed, Encountering the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life. I know so many people who have had a profound encounter with the Lord by reading that book and going to Dr. Bob's retreats. He has contributed to a variety of other publications. He has spent more than 30 years as a therapist, while also teaching graduate and undergraduate courses in marriage and family relationships, human development, applied psychology, and family therapy. He has also taught courses at the Theology of the Body Institute and the Augustine Institute. Dr. Bob, we're so glad to have you. Matt, Neil, it's great to be with you. I love the work that you guys are doing. We're, we're just kind of going in your wake. Well, we, we met we met years ago, and it was such a privilege to the first time we met, and then then when we had time together at the seminary, and and you've yeah. been a busy man. You were busy before then, but ever since then, you uh, have, have published three books, correct? I think it's up to seven. seven. <laughs> I missed a couple. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been busy. Yeah, keeps keeps you engaged, right? Yep. So, Doctor Bob, we are really interested in exploring this topic of healing this morning, and the relationship between healing and freedom. So, I wonder if you could just start by sharing a little bit about how do you define healing and what does it look like? Yeah, let me give you two different definitions, and they're both connected, but they give a different picture. Okay, so at our conferences, we talk about healing is an ongoing encounter with the love of God that brings us into wholeness and communion. Okay, So healing is an ongoing encounter with the love of God that brings us into wholeness and communion. And then, you know, one of our team members, when we were teaching about 2 Corinthians 3.18, about being transformed into the image of God, had this, and I really loved it, it's healing is gazing on the face of Jesus until we become the face of Jesus for others. And I just I just loved that application of that scripture of, you know, all of us being transformed from glory to glory as we gaze upon the Lord with unveiled faces. And it just puts it into, into a felt sense, you know, rather than a theological sense. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a, a story or an example that might flesh that out for us? What does it look like when someone gets healed? Yeah, that, I've been pondering how to share a story quickly because they're all, it's, you know, they're, they're develop over time. But one I talk about in my book, Real Suffering, is a story by a guy by the name of Patrick. And he had been living with depression for 40 years, at least, and had quit his work. He was just barely hanging on, gone through all kinds of treatments and everything else. And all of that 
as he came to realize, was symptom management. It was just dealing with the symptoms, not with the the deeper root issues. And you know, I know for both of you that you're really intent on getting down to to where the root causes are, and so are we. So he came to a conference, and he came because his pastor had a powerful experience and kind of paid for him to come, and really there just to support his wife. And he didn't expect anything from the conference himself because he'd been through so much and had lost that hope. Early on in the conference, we had one of the group prayer experiences, and he had an encounter with Jesus in his imagination, but in in such a real way that the fruit of that just transformed him. And as he had that experience, Jesus brought him back to a time when he was 12, uh, and his father uh, beat him severely, at which case he disconnected his heart from his dad. The trauma was the origins of that depression, all kind of beliefs, judgments, a lot of things that we would deal with with deliverance. And I, I won't go into all the detail here because of our time, but it brought about such a transformation in him that his depression, he got freed from his depression for first time in 40 years. He and his wife started a healing ministry. His dad heard about it, reached out, and asked him to pray with him. He went and prayed with him, and Jesus brought the dad back to the same memory, mm-hmm. healed him, and healed then his childhood where he experienced the same thing with his father. So you see the the layers of healing in this, and it's a deepening wholeness in in freedom and integration. And I know that's so much of what you guys do. Do you find that it is often uh, one big moment of trauma that's led to a lot of of hurt and wounding that continues? Do you find that? Sometimes it's that. Yeah, sometimes it's one moment and the heart shuts down and all the strongholds come around that. But sometimes it's just a chronic deprivation of what we need. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to the point where I don't assume anything about what's the source of that wounding that needs to be healed. I just open to the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit to see. Yeah, sometimes our our teams, I agree with that both both, uh, perspectives. Sometimes our team, a newer team, will find the big one and then Mm -hmm. only think about that big one, (laughs) you know, and forget everything that surrounds it. So so that's that's a really good reminder to us. Thanks. So the definition you used of experiencing uh, the encountering the love of God is a really broad one. And when when you were saying that, I I almost saw three categories. You know, healing, really conversion could be described in that way, and also deliverance. Really, those three are all encounters with the love of God. How would you mm-hmm. distinguish? How would you distinguish maybe healing and deliverance, for example? Well, let me bring them together before we distinguish them, because I I know that both of us, all of us, have the same sense, is that Pope Benedict said healing is an essential dimension, and if understood at a sufficiently deep level, it brings, it's the entire content of redemption. It's, you know, salvation, that word is translated healing, deliverance, rescue, all kind of ways. So I think they both are part of this whole process of conversion and salvation. The distinction, I think, you know, early on when I was being called into this ministry, I was receiving from the Lord books and formation and deliverance as well as in healing, as well as in my psychological training. You know, they all came together. And I said to the Lord, I said, I'm interested in healing, not in deliverance. 
And he said, this is healing. Mm. You can't understand healing if you don't understand deliverance. And I think you guys would say the same thing. You can't understand deliverance unless you understand healing. That, you know, particularly the forgiveness and the Father blessing that you incorporate in that are a big part of that encounter with the Father's love and releasing the barriers that are there. All of it is is healing. All of it's an encounter. So I think they go together, but I how I would distinguish it, and Neil, you and I have had this conversation on the phone when we have gone to the same city and people are always asking, well, what's the difference and what's what's similar? And I said, and I don't know how you answer it, but I said, deliverance is focusing particularly on the barriers, on the things that get in the way that keep us from encountering God's love. And the healing process has to deal with those barriers, but we need to, we're interested in the place where the the broken connections, the broken communions happened and healing those areas of broken communion so that those strongholds don't have a place of attachment. Yeah. You know, so that we're we're healing, you know, I, the, the analogy I use oftentimes is you go into a, a, a kitchen where there's rats or we have all kind of different critters down mm-hmm. here. But, you know, you take the cheese away, you take the food away, and the rats go away. But you also have to close the the entryway where the rats got in, you know, and they're both important. Yeah. I had a thought this morning that kind of helped me think about it was, so we all have these wounds. And a wound is is a really interesting thing because it can be an opportunity for the Lord to pour his love in. And, um, you know, St. Augustine said, I saw your glory in my deepest wound and it dazzled me. So it's an opportunity for love. And when I think of healing, I think of God's love being poured into our wound and we can Mm -hmm. be healed by time. We can be healed by nurture or love, you know, fellowship with other people. But sometimes wounds get infected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we deal with in Unbound is their wounds that we've responded to in ways that are toxic or compulsive, or we've, we've tried to cope with our wounds with sinful patterns, whether it's pride-based patterns or shame-based patterns that really keep us from healing and um, kind of perpetuate the effects of the wound. And so it really does, you need both. You know, you need the love, you need the nurture, you need the love of God poured into that wound, but you also have to deal with the ways in which you haven't been treating that wound well. Yeah, I think that's the place where we have a lot of overlap between what we do and just come at it from a different approach. But yeah, that that sense of infected wounds, you know, infected by unforgiveness, by judgments, by vows, by Mm -hmm. uh, identity lies, by sin patterns. Mm All of that is, needs to be dealt with in the healing process as well as the delivery. I think one of the things that we, we really have strongly in common is we listen to people's stories. And like we have a particular way of listening, and I think you have a, from your background, have a, a little different way of listening and more tuned into certain things. We might be more tuned into other things. But but I think, I think the, uh, the people of God need somebody to listen to their story, to value them, to affirm them, and to help them to, we would talk in terms of helping them to make a response to the good news. And yeah. and your your focus in, in saying that healing is an encounter with God, you know, so it's basically 
the same fundamental mission, different models of approach. Yeah, I, I'd say that what you just described is an encounter with God's love, mm-hmm. right? It's having somebody to listen a, to us, have compassion for us, hear our stories. That's God's love being mediated in relationship. Yep. Now, one of the things that we do in Unbound that you've incorporated into your ministry is something you don't see a lot in therapy, but the act of renunciation. Can you tell us about how you use renunciation and why you feel like it's important to the healing process? Yeah. So in our conferences, uh, we began to discover when we got to the point of what you would call the Father blessing. For us, it's encountering the Father's love sessions uh, where we really immerse people in the presence of God's love. Is they couldn't enter in. We used to do renouncing at the at the very end of our conferences, and we realized that we needed to move it up to Friday. Uh, you know, we do three days. When Friday, the middle day, when we dealt with facing our brokenness and our wounds, because so many of the strongholds would come to the surface as we were doing that, and then they would become barriers to the to the capacity to receive. And so we started at the very end of this, and we do something called human sculpting, which is demonstrating these. Uh, in our conferences. And as we demonstrate it, we go one by one and we take each of the deadly wounds and the deadly sins and we go through and renounce the lies associated with them, ask for forgiveness, and announce the truth. And what we notice is people immediately gain freedom Mm -hmm. uh, at that point in the conference. And the next day they come in with a free heart to be able to receive most people. I mean, there's still people who aren't in that place, but most people are then able to receive the and experience the power of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, to the love of the Father. I think in our conferences, I'd say something similar. It's usually a, a Saturday morning, and we do the talk on renunciation and authority, and we take people through renunciation, and the atmosphere in the place changes. It's just yeah. like we know Friday night we're headed toward it, we're going to get there, and every time it seems like the atmosphere changes and people are ready to ready to dive in and, and move in deeper. Yeah, I, I'll give you an experience. We did a seminarian retreat, summer retreat, and my brother was teaching, my brother Bart was teaching on physical healing. And the three priests in the room all had seen it, and so they didn't have any trouble going there, but the seminarians hadn't seen it, and they weren't believing. And so we could feel this heaviness in the atmosphere and this unbelief in the atmosphere. And so he stopped and he said, okay, just name it. And now let's renounce it and let's announce the truth. And as he went through and had the seminarians renounce their unbelief and renounce their doubt and renounce it, then healing started to happen. Wow. Physical healing started to happen in the room. Like a physical healing. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think one of the things you don't often see in therapy or or in healing ministries is sometimes you don't always see the understanding of how evil spirits work and how they play a part in unhealed wounds. Can you share with us a little bit about how unhealed wounds or traumatic experiences could become an opportunity for the enemy to get a foothold? How does that work? Yeah, and I think you expressed it too in terms of our wounds don't have to become infected by the demonic if we turn to God. But for most of us, when we're young and and uninformed and without people to help us, we don't know how to most of us don't know how to turn towards God when we're wounded. And so what happens is we barricade that part of our hearts and close off that place of our minds and hearts from God. And those become what I refer to as nests, mm-hmm. kind of as 
spiritual nests where we talk about three levels. We talk about the the wound, the beliefs, which are both identity lies, Mm -hmm. and then the judgments, which is tied into forgiveness, unforgiveness. And then we talk about the vows, which are the places of our will that we get into holding uh, our own self-reliance. And so both of those outward areas are areas where the enemy has access because the enemy now comes in to our pride and our self-reliance, and the enemy now comes in in the areas of our unforgiveness and our beliefs, uh, you know, our identity lies. And those become footholds, and then they become strongholds. And those strongholds are thoughts that present themselves against the knowledge of God. They, they resist the knowledge of God. They resist the presence of God or the truth of God. And they can be difficult to uproot until we deal with those and the wounds underneath. Yeah, I think it's important for people to recognize that they there is a strategy here. <laughs> there's, a, there's a particular game plan uh, for holding them in bondage. And you know those early access points are, are really important. Can you share with us a couple of those? You mentioned seven deadly wounds. Could you maybe share a couple, two or three? And uh, yeah, you know, so I think three primary wounds that all of us experience are abandonment, rejection, and broken trust. What we call betrayal wound, which we refer to as a fear wound. You know, as a place where I go into self-protection because I can't trust anymore, and those can happen on a on an event and we get locked into those wounds or they can happen over time you know we can have a chronic experience of nobody really seeing us or understanding us we can feel rejected just by the absence of love uh, we can feel betrayed you know just by our perception of what somebody is doing whether they're doing it or not but oftentimes a betrayal wound is an experience of having trust and then having that trust betrayed and broken and then the self-protection that comes in from that. Yeah, and then the vows can become binding as well. I'm going to protect myself, yeah. and I'm going to rely on myself, and I'm not going to open my heart to anybody, or I'm going to cling on, or I'm going to please people. Yeah. To, you know, and we're not conscious of that, but they become our life patterns. Yeah. yeah. So you have a conference, and you, people have a chance to be in the presence of God and to go through healing and get all this great information. Do you make a recommendation at the end in terms of, do, do you ever recommend they seek out counseling or seek out, is that an individual thing as you encounter people? Or how, do you, how do you deal with yeah. that? We, we have, uh, our last talk is called Living in Freedom. And so it's a whole set of giving people resources, including we recommend and talk about the unbound process, talk about the unbound ministry at that point. That's where we have we may have a list of local spiritual directors and therapists in that area, even though people come from different areas. On our websites, we have lists of where people can contact those. And so we talk about doing book studies together on healing. We talk about therapists. We, you know, we just talk about how to continue the healing process, even in their own prayer life, in adoration, other ways. And so we're just trying to give them a whole set of tools mm-hmm. uh, and resources to go forward with. So you're putting it in their hands and what they do with it is up to them. Yeah. And we try we try to only go places where we have a good support basis of priests who have gone through our priest events so that they can steward the event. And so, for example, now we, 
you know, just up in Ohio, and the priest has gone through a lot of this himself. And so he's doing follow-up meetings as with the whole parish, because he probably had 300 people from his parish. So he's just opening it up to everybody and just bringing them deeper and stewarding that and making referrals to therapists that. So since we're not local, we don't always know who the who the local support is, but we try to gather that before we start. So I have a you know, a lot of people who come for prayer who are completely unaware of their wounds. And it's kind of like amazing how <laughs> the Holy Spirit will show them something, you know, maybe 30 years ago. And then I know other folks who come who are just really kind of just absorbed in their wounds, very introspective. They're stuck almost in a, in a place of, uh, of just woundedness, you know, like they're just yeah. constantly be confronted with it. How do you help people to kind of cooperate with the Holy Spirit in those moments so that they can either become aware of their wounds or they can kind of shift their focus from themselves to the Lord? Yeah, those, those can be some of the more challenging ones. I remember, Neil, sitting with you as you were praying with somebody uh, at the seminary and you identified a, a, a victim spirit, you know, a spirit of self-pity. And, you know, sometimes we can get our identity from our wounds and, and our security also from our wounds. So I think uh, just that sensitivity and it's the sensitivity of the one praying to be able to hear that because it's it's a blind place for the person. And you know, and then there needs to be a real gentleness in the way that that's presented because that person could feel like they're being judged in that moment or you're you're playing the victim or you're operating in self-pity. And so, you know, Neil, I th- thought you did that beautifully when I watched uh, that. And in therapy, we run into the same thing. It's I've heard people say, if I let go of this, I don't know who I am. Yeah. This is This has been my identity my whole life. And usually there's a there's an absence of affirmation of blessing in the deepest places of their heart that needs to be attended to. On the other side, I and again on both sides, I think it's a matter of security. That's why we emphasize it's God's love that heals. I think it's you know, we talk about security, maturity, and purity, and that that security of being rooted and grounded in love, having a sense of I'm safe. Uh, it's what you guys do when you uh, train people. You, you, they become a safe person to invite that. And I think in that safety, the Holy Spirit has room to work. I don't think it's a matter of technique because it's a matter of trust. Mm-hmm. And in, in that trust, the Holy Spirit can work. Yeah. In deliverance and healing ministry, I, I find that the centerpiece really is the proclamation of the gospel because we need to hear the good news. We need to know about the Savior's love and his power, and that we can access it by faith. Because I I find that if people just pursue deliverance, or they just pursue healing without conversion, um, it only gets them so far. But if if Jesus is at the center, and the love of God is what you're pursuing, if conversion is your aim, if getting closer to the Lord is your aim, deliverance and healing follow. One of the things I love about your ministry is that you've really been able to integrate the background in psychology, the understanding of therapeutic models with spirituality, with, with the gospel. How did that come about for you? Well, I mean, I've always been a Catholic, lifelong Catholic, and so that's always been an important part of it. But I remember in graduate school, going through graduate school and having Catholic friends that we could wrestle with. But I think the biggest shift for me was when I was going through my own healing in therapy and I went on a re- 
retreat weekend. And in that retreat experience, experiencing places that I'd been stuck, just the power of the Holy Spirit transforming me. And then I wanted it for everybody. Then it was like, this is the center. You know, therapy can help facilitate that, but it, it can't compare it to the power of the Holy Spirit to transform a heart and my own heart. And after that, I had a huge healing with my wounds with my dad, like three months later, forgiveness with my dad. And so that just, that experience more than anything else integrated it. And then God just began to form that by mentors and books and experiences. We didn't have podcasts back then. (laughs) Yeah. When you mentioned those wounds, I mean, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, you know, those are so big. It really does take the love of God to be able to fill those, you know, yeah. it, it takes, it takes. And to free those. I, I was just talking to somebody yesterday who was, as a teenager, in so much pain and cutting mm-hmm. and then attempted suicide and it was failed suicide. Mm-hmm. And they went to a Steubenville conference and I've seen this so many times, the Steubenville Youth Conference. And in the Steubenville Youth Conference, her whole life was changed, never cut after that, had a love for Jesus her whole life trajectory was changed. And I've watched that so many yeah. times in high school and college and other times where people just have this radical shift. And yeah, we, we, we often say that uh, the greatest deliverance you'll ever receive is accepting Jesus Christ as, as your <laughs> Lord, you know, just coming yeah. to him and you're delivered at levels. You, you probably might need to work yeah. through for 40 years, but you get your <laughs> deliverance and you walk yeah. in that, yeah. that grace. Yeah, yeah that you're you're the third person on our podcast who has mentioned the Steubenville Youth Conference as part of their testimony of just encountering yeah. the love of God during worship. So God is really using those folks. The Lord shows up. What's something you're you're passionate about right now, Doctor Bob? What's what's on your horizon? Uh, well, I'll answer that at two levels. I have been, since my own experience, passionate about transformation, seeing people's lives transformed. That, that, that has never gone away. It just gets stronger. Particularly right now, I have a real joy in seeing the transformation happening in the leaders of the church. And we've started bishops' conferences, and we've been doing priest conferences for a while and seminarian conferences. And just recently, we started, we've always had religious come, but now we've started focus conferences for religious superiors and for religious sisters. And to see the transformation that's happening in their lives brings so much joy and so much hope. And, uh, you know, just the pastor I mentioned before that sent his people and starts a healing ministry, you know, one pastor's lives change, one bishop's lives change, one religious superior's lives change, changes whole cultures, whole dioceses, whole, and we've just seen the ripple effect. And so I'm just passionate about that continuing and growing because it's it's the hope for the church in my mind is their healing their freedom their connection with jesus yeah we we have this expression for for years it was like you know our ministry we thought the place was going through the back door of the church and now it's like the front door is open you know for the you, front door is open you're yes. going right yep. through the front door of the church yeah. so one of our one of our highlights of the greatest uh the one thing that we look forward to every year is a priest retreat we got set aside a little with COVID, but but being a, just as you described, being able to reach reach some of the uh, leaders in the church and see the lives change is it's magnificent. Yeah. 
we're, we're doing a virtual conference right now, and a good friend of mine, Father Burke Masters, is the priest who's overseeing that. At the end of the thing, he did a whole night on renouncing and deliverance prayer, and then at the very end of it, he said, what I would recommend if you feel stuck is go look up Unbound. And uh, so I, what I love is seeing how many priests and bishops have really recognized the value of that work in the church. Yeah. Matt told a, a story recently uh, about that woman you met on the on the retreat, and she told you about confession. I'll have to tell if you don't remember it. Oh, uh, I was on a marriage retreat, and uh, yeah. I was describing what we do with Unbound and telling her about the five keys, and I was taking her through each key, and she goes, oh, I went to confession once, and I, I just thought it was going to be a normal confession. This priest started leading me through I think that was unbound. <laughs> she described how she started weeping, yep. and she was just totally yeah. transformed by the experience. And she's like, "Yeah, that that was." And it was so gratifying to hear, like, you know, yeah. almost anonymously, this this ministry is just permeating ordinary yeah, experience. It just yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's a work of God, Doctor Bob. How can our listeners find out more about you and your ministry and, and your retreats? Probably the easiest way is John Paul II Healing Center. Dot org. Uh, it's our website. Uh, we have our conferences there. We have the resources, workbooks, podcast up there. Also, we restore the glory podcast.com. It's a great podcast. You guys were guests on yeah. uh, not too long ago. So I just encourage them to start with that one. Uh, that, was a, that was a great conversation. It was. And will, yeah. you, uh, will you say a word in prayer to close our time? Yeah, I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I thank you for the gift and ministry of healing, and the greatest healing as we're celebrating Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the healing of the deepest core of our brokenness and the deepest means of our freedom. I thank you for Neil and Matt and their wives and all of the teams that have been bringing this message around the world. And I pray for each listener now that you would increase their hope and their vision for not only how to receive a greater measure of the power of the gospel, but be instruments of it for the people around them. We just thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to participate in your work. We recognize that this is your work and that you have included us out of your love. And may we reveal your face and reveal your deep, transforming love to others. We ask all this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you. Great to see you. That was awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about taking hold of the freedom you have been given in Christ, check out our website, heartofthefather.com, and find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is Matt. Jen, Rachel, and Jacqueline saying goodbye until next time. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. And he with me. Revelation 3.20